Buenas noches, all you monolinguists and bilinguists out there. You're tuned into another episode of a full circle production of the Spanglish Power Hour. And on tonight's show, we're going to be discussing the U.S.-Mexican border. But rather than focus on the usual topics that arise cuando la border, la frontera is brought up, we're instead going to be taking a look at this cultural and political line of demarcation through the eyes and arte of some Bay Area artists. We will be joined live in the KPFA studios by Bay Area, by Bay Area soneros and soneras de la comunidad who will be telling us about their recent trip to San Diego's Friendship Park and their participation in the annual Fandango Fronterizo that happened there. Also, Bay Area artist Ana Teresa Fernandez talks to us about Borando la Frontera, her conceptual art project that erases parts of the border, leaving a big, beautiful blue hole where parts of the border used to be. All this, and of course, random thoughts from a stoned pocho and the view from the borders of Trumplandia on tonight's episode of the Spanglish Power Hour. Yo soy your host and pocho por vida, Josiah Luis. No se vayan. We'll be right back. Welcome back, mi gente. You're tuned into KPFA 94.1, Radio Estación de la Comunidad. And on tonight's Spanglish Power Hour, we're taking a look at the U.S.-Mexican border, La Frontera. The U.S.-Mexican border is an international border running from Tijuana, Baja California in the west, to Matamoros, Tamaulipas, and Brownsville, Texas in the east. It is the most frequently crossed international boundary in the world with an estimated 350 million legal crossings being made annually. From the Gulf of Mexico, it follows the course of the Rio Grande to the border crossings at Ciudad Juarez, Chihuahuan and Sonoran deserts to the Colorado River Delta, through San Diego and Tijuana, and literally into the Pacific Ocean. Now, aside from the U.S.-Mexican border being a cultural, geographic, and political line of demarcation, the border is also an actual physical structure running through six Mexican states and four U.S. states, traversing a variety of terrains from urban areas like San Diego to uninhabited deserts. This physical structure morphs into different forms along the route. Toll crossing booths with lines and lines of cars, barbed wire fences, the Rio Grande, the sands of the Sonoran Desert, or an iron, ugly, corrugated metal wall. Much like in the early part of the 20th century, the Statue of Liberty in Ellis Island came to represent that quintessential first image the immigrante first saw when he came to America. The 1,989-mile-long U.S.-Mexican border has come to represent that first view that the immigrante now has upon reaching Los Estados Unidos these days. Now, I don't think that I'm going out on a limb here cuando I say that despite this being our first image of America... The border is not a symbol that comes with many good associations. Despite the popular American opinion that the border is there for our protection, more often than not, para nosotros como Latinos, the border has come to be seen as more of an obstacle, an obstruction. To many Latinos coming to Los Estados Unidos, the border separates them physically from their cultura back in Mexico. Cultural separation is a painful thing. Separation from familia and friends is extreme, often not realized hardship so many Latinos end up dealing with when they first arrive here. 
That separation from Nuestra Cultura can be a profound and painful thing, but our first guests for the evening have found a way to soothe this cultural separation. Los soneros and soneros de la comunidad that we have here tonight get together and perform Son Jarocha. Oh, Son Jarocha, sorry. A musica from Veracruz, the second Friday of every month at La Peña. They also sponsor musicians and concerts as well as hold workshops on everything from instrument making to dancing. Now, various members of this group have been participating in an annual event called Fandango Fronterizo that takes place at San Diego's Friendship Park every year. We're so lucky to have them here tonight because in addition to talking about their experience on the border, they're also going to be playing us some of that sweet Son Jarocho music. So, por favor, welcome to the KPFA studios, the Soneros and Soneros de la Comunidad, sometimes known as Son de la Bahia. Hola, gente. How are you? Hola. Can, can you hear me? We're, we're so far away from each other. It's almost like there's a border, huh? It's a border. <laughs> it's between a border. cabins. Como están? Como están? Uh, I'd like to introduce the people that they've come down here so generously to give us some of their music and time. Uh, in the studio, we have Francisco Martinez, Mari Carmen Arjona, Buenas tardes. Maria de la Rosa, Hola. Cristina Pino, Christine Christine Pinter. Christine, Christine Pin, I say it again, Christine, I'm sorry. Christine Pinter. Christine Pinter. <laughs> Jessica Escobar. Hola. Carmen Gonzalez. Hola. Y I can't forget Edwin. Hi, hola, ¿qué tal? Uh, Edwin y la Carmen. Carmen, ¿cómo está, Carmen? I lost the last two names. I apologize. Carmen González. Carmen González. Thank you so much for coming in, all of you. Um, I've heard you all play so many times, and it's always such a wonderful experience. And um, last time, Mari Carmen mentioned to me of a participation that you all had, or some of you had, in the uh, annual Fandango that happens at Friendship Park every year. Could you tell our listeners a little bit about that? Give us some background about it. Sure. Well, it's a, it's a very unique uh, event from the Sonero community. I think that something that will be uh, interesting for people to know is Son Jarocho, which is a folk expression from southern Veracruz. It's a rural uh, type of music. It's a community-based music. So people get together to play music, mm -hmm. to dance, to hang out, to build community, to eat. And so it's a, it's a way of uh, celebrating the community. And uh, since nine years ago in the border, the, the Sonero, Jaranero, Jaranera community of uh, the border on the two sides, the San Diego and the Tijuana border have been organizing a event in which people get together on the two sides of the border. The location is the Friendship Park on the side of Tijuana. Now, for those of for the listeners that don't know about Friendship Park, Mari Carmen, could you quickly describe it? Yes. So on the on the San Diego side, there is a. Uh, uh, a park, uh -huh. uh, 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 a natural reservoir, which okay. is the border, the border uh, park, and within that there is a small park called the Friendship Park. In this park, historically, 
families from two sides of the border, friends, families get together and get to see each other. And uh, before, but like, there's a partition or something dividing them. Right? Oh yeah, there is. Uh, there is right now. It's a border. <laughs> it's a, a, a wall uh-huh. <laughs> made of a, a mesh. No, there used to be bars. Okay. No, that that used to be the border. I I remember being there in 2005, and there were like bars and families got together, got to see each other and, you know, exchange, uh, touch each other. And that's how people got to meet on the two sides of the border. Over the years, that has been changing. Right now, it's literally a mesh. But uh, the, the this Fandango Fronterizo is a symbolic expression of how culture and music get us together. And that even though we have these, these, these fans, uh, there are more things that tied us together and uh, and it becomes in these days even a political statement and how long um, how long has the fandango been going on there they've been doing it for 10 years wow. nine years I'm sorry okay. next year will be their 10th year and uh, and it's been evolving like right now because of border regulations the fandango goes f- for three hours strictly from 11 to 2 which is the time that people is allowed to access the 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 f- uh, friendship park in on the San Diego side and on the other side is where the uh, Plaza de Toros is. The, 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 that's where the bullring fi- uh, uh, fight is. And it's called Playas de Tijuana. So the dynamic is that you have music on the two sides of Whoa. the border. And in the tradition of the Fandango, people get together around uh, Tarima, which is a wooden platform where people uh, dance. So in this case, there is a fence. There is a Tarima on one side and a Tarima on the other side. And also the dynamic of the Fandango is that someone leads a verse and someone answers that verse, you know, paying attention to what is uh, happening with the music. In this case, exactly, call and response. Thank you. And um, so that happens uh, on one side of the border, someone calls, and on the other side, someone responds. And that's how it shapes in this case. So that's a very powerful imagen. I mean, seeing the, the, the border with two you know, groups of people playing on either side. Uh, that, now, it's, it sounds wonderful and beautiful. When you do it, what are the reactions from the people there visiting familias? And I mean, uh, w- w- what are some of the reactions you've seen from them when you start playing? Well, it's, it's very exciting. Uh, some people just wonder, like, what is this? <laughs> what is happening here? And uh, I, I actually would uh, like to invite my, my, uh, my, my friends and colleagues here to, to share what their reactions uh, uh, were when they saw this for the first time. But uh, I would say that uh, it's powerful to see that we have this way to connect it's empowering knowing that uh, there is a way to break this border mm-hmm. and that we're close to 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 each other and people get to get just closer to the border start looking it's very um, significant when you when you can just see through the mesh the people on the other side of the border I, I must say, I don't know, guys, what do you think? Like, the first time I saw the Friendship Park, I've been doing it for three years now, looks like a jail. It a sounds jail. like a jail. Yeah. 
I mean, because on the, in the San Diego side, there is this big uh, wall that has the mesh, and then there is another fence area uh, that allows you to access the, that segment. Okay, that's that. Well, it sounds like you all playing musica there was almost like a cultural therapy of some sort, really. You know, we've been talking about the musica, uh, and I'm sure that some of the listeners want to hear some son harrocho. Would you mind taking a break from talking about the uh, fandango and play us a few tunes? Sure. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, KPFA listeners, you're in for a genuine treat. This is the uh, good, good son harrocho music coming at you live in the KPFA studios played by the soneros and soneros de la comunidad.
si una guacamaya That was amazing. Now, for those of you uh, out there in Radio Landia just joining us, you are tuned into the Spanglish Power Hour. And tonight we are taking a look at the U.S.-Mexican border through the eyes and arte of some of our Bay Area hermanos y hermanas. Our guests in the KPFA studios live tonight are the soneros y soneras de la comunidad. And um, that was so wonderful, you guys. Gracias. That, um, you know, for the people that aren't too familiar with Son Jarocho, could you talk a little bit about some of the instruments that you use in the in the creation of the musica? Because it's such a distinct sound. <laughs> well, uh, the, basically the, the most popular uh, instrument from the Son Jarocho, it's the requinto, the jarana, and the leona. The one are the more important uh, instruments. We And these are different size guitarras, sort of? Yes, there's a different kind. Uh, for the harana, there is the one we call a uh, harana tercera. Yeah, which is uh, one of the biggest instruments. And segunda, it's like a little bit smaller. And then we call the primera, there is more small than normal. And then also we uh, have a little one, like tiny one we call like mosquito, like it means a... Uh, Mosquito. Mosquito, you know. It's like a ukulele. Or like a ukulele. Like that, yeah. that size. And a lot of times, traditionally, if I'm wrong, let me know, but you, a lot of the musicos make these guitarras, right? They, you actually make them? Yeah, actually, the, all the instruments for the San Jarocho is like handmade. So uh, uh, that's one of the most important uh, uh, yeah, aspect. aspects of it. Yeah. Now, yeah. what about that plank of wood you brought? That that I love that. What, what now? Because we got to talk a little bit about the, the dancing part because it's such a percussive element to the musica. What what is that? Oh yeah. That's the wood wooden platform we were referring to. Where uh, in the fandangos is a large platform where either couples or or groups of uh, women usually because there are like these sones uh, or songs for women to to dance uh, like line up. So that's uh, where people dance, but it's an instrument. With song jarocho, in terms of instruments and. Guys, jump in at any time. We have the instruments of uh, by chords. 
there are percussions. The tarima strings, is one, yeah. one, one uh, uh -huh. strings, yeah. So uh, percussions like the tarima, like the tambourine, the mule draw. We don't have one here, but uh, but uh, that's another percussion. Pandero. Uh, pandero, pandero yeah. yeah, the tambourine. And uh, the, you know, the tambourine is a very distinct uh, shape too, with, with the ones that you use. It's usually round, right? This is more he hexagonal. Yeah, it's yeah. an octagon. Octagon, octagon. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, 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 that's a very unique sound. Um, and the voices are instruments, and the dance, uh, when people dance, uh, there is a, a particular, uh, it's part of the percussion, so there are certain dances for certain uh, type of music, I, I think for certain uh, songs. How I about them? Okay, you, you know, whenever you start mentioning the instruments, I want to hear más música. So. <laughs> <laughs> Would that be all right? Could we hear one more cancioncita? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say like the la the previous song we played was La Guacamaya and now we are going to play Colas. Colas. And you are listening to the Soneros y Soneras de la Comunidad.
Angelito. You are tuned into 94.1 Radio Estación de la Comunidad, and you have been listening to some beautiful Son Jarocho canciones from the Soneros and Soneras de la Comunidad, who have also been here telling us about their participation in uh, the annual Fandango Fronterizo, which takes place in uh, San Diego's Friendship Park. Um, now, you guys, I wanted to just say real quick, because actually, unfortunately, we're running out of time, but, um, you know, I've attended so many of your events and they're always such a beautiful inclusionary thing um could you talk a little bit about the uh, the the uh, fandango you have every month at la peña because i really think people should know more about it and um maybe come out and participate you know i can talk i'm sorry um, yeah, yeah go ahead third, third. So a, a whole bunch of us, um, we practice and we learn together at La Peña. Uh -huh. um, that for a lot of us, for me, that's that's where we started. That was our entree to, to Son Jarocho. And so we have a fandango there every third Friday. The third of, Friday of every month. Third at Friday La Peña. of the month. And it's open to the community. And we start at seven o'clock and we go until until we're not allowed to go anymore. Well, it's, it's so wonderful, and, and, and it's just, it's so inclusionary. I mean, you have people from all stages of, of, of levels of performance and everything. Yes. And it really is a wonderful event. Um, unfortunately, we're out of time, but we're going to want to sneak in another canción if that's possible. I, I, I'm abusing your canciones so much. I'm so sorry, pero... Um, so for those of you interested in hearing more of this San Jorocho music, you should definitely go to La Peña, yes. the third Friday of every month, and um, see these wonderful people perform. They also have instrument making classes, all kinds of things. So, muchas gracias for coming by. I really appreciate it. Los uh, soneros and soneros de la comunidad. And we're going to go out with one more song. Okay. Gracias. So, Power Hour, we are taking a look at the U.S.-Mexican border through the eyes of some Bay Area artists and musicians. 
Now, for those of you who haven't heard of Ana Teresa Fernandez, she is a fierce Bay Area artist, and she is up next. She has done a series of installations titled Borando la Frontera, which she began back in 2011. And it involves actually painting sections of the border wall the same color as the sky above. And when viewed from a distance, the painted sections of the border create an illusion of holes in the fence. Borando la Frontera has happened in numerous sections along the border wall. And last week, I was lucky enough to talk to Ana Teresa on the phone, where she talked in mass details behind the inspiration and motivation of Borando la Frontera. Let's have a listen. First, how about we just start a little bit talking un poquito about uh, what inspired you to start painting um, parts of the border? When I was 10 years old, I had to cross that border, the Tijuana-San Diego border. My family got the opportunity to to move from Tampico, Tamaulipas, to San Diego, California. When my dad got asked um, if he wanted to work as a bilingual doctor, you know, he very enthusiastically said yes, because he just kind of saw a better life for our family and all these opportunities, especially having three women, you know, three girls, three mm-hmm. little girls. And I think he he was kind of a visionary in that way. And um, even though it's really difficult and hard and, you know, separating and, you know, ripping away your roots and kind of restarting in a different language with a different culture, um, I think in that regard, you know, it's like there's, there's so much that people give up, you know, when they decide to cross that border to attain other things, you know, attain possibilities and, and self-discovery and self-growth. So having said that, you know, I think... When I was growing up, I saw the border as this, like, really contentious place for me because it, it meant, like, all the things that I was leaving, you know, mm-hmm. my cousins, my family, the things that were familiar to me. Um, and it, it wasn't until much, much later, many years later, when um, I actually moved away from the border to go study art in the San Francisco Art Institute here in San Francisco, which at the same time, my mother began her photographic um documentation project about the border itself and we begin um, relaying stories back and forth me from the the workers that i would meet um, during the maintenance job um, and little you know jobs the first jobs that i had in san francisco which were at cafes you know and mm. the dishwashers the servers were all from you know the mayan peninsula in mexico from el salvador from different parts of latin america and their stories were just so heartbreaking, you know, and you would, I would see them and I'm like, wow, they did all this. They left their homes, they left their families and they send back money and they have this job and they do it. You know, so many of them are working two, three jobs. Yes. And then hearing my mother, as she was beginning her project um, and hearing her story, you know, a different reality begins to weave around this place that's the border, you know, this thing that, that separates us so harshly, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, for some people, once they cross, it means that they have to leave so much, you know, and they have to work so much in order to provide um, better opportunities for their families back home, you know. Um, and so I began going there with my mom and doing all these actions of rich performances, you know, and they were, they were very Sisyphean, you know, as a, as a metaphor for what a political climate that was, um, and the politics that were, were occurring around immigration. You know, I was like mopping the beach uh, while wearing a, a cocktail dress and stilettos and, you know, the absurdity of, of trying to mop away the, the political filth around that area or sweeping 
the sand with a broom, you know, and kind of like having the stilettos penetrate the, 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 the sandy floor and how difficult that task and impossible it was, you know. Well, and it was kind of a repetition about like the circumstance where I felt like, what are we doing to improve this, you know? Like, yeah. And for me, I wanted to do something that people could live with, you know, people that see that well every day as residents that live in, you know, around that block. Um, on the Mexican side and people that go visit the social interaction, you know, Playa is the only beach, social beach where people go and congregate, you know, that's where they go hang out. Um, on the Tijuana side, that little area, that chunk, you know, so on the part that's in Tijuana, on the San Diego side, there's no vehicle access for two miles. So you have to hike for two miles to get access in consciousness of what this thing looks like and feels like. Because on San Diego's side, there's like miles and miles and miles of terrain of like beachscape, you know, so people come and surf, and, but nothing within the consciousness, you know, with, within the periphery of uh, an availability. But in the Tijuana side, that's the only beach they have that Tijuanans have, um, Tijuanans have, you know, and they go and they, they spend time there. So you kind of don't want to, you know, you, you see it, but you don't want to be like, um, hit with this heaviness, you know, of like an insistence of a, of a message or it's like people go there on Sundays, they want to have a good time. And so I'm like, how can I, how can I sing to the choir, but also elevate the spirit of people that come to that space without kind of like adding like this political heaviness, you know, that they have to deal with. And so I thought, well, you know, how do we hear each other better? It's like when we talk softly to each other, when we whisper to each other, you know, and I thought, okay, that's the tone. That's the tone that it needs to be in. And I was like, well, what do I want? I want this thing to not be there anymore. And then after, like, about two years of seriously thinking about it, one day I woke up and I was like, I have it. I got it. It's, uh, I got to use my weapon, you know, which is paint. Mm. That's, that's the, you know, that's what, what's in my arsenal. Why don't I paint it out by painting it, like, the same tone of as blue as the sky so it's like the thing itself becomes a reflection now where uh, was that first place that you, you did that Juana, in playas in playas right 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 then and there that was that was it yeah that was it Where's, was, were there people around when you did it yeah i mean it was like uh, I, I don't remember what day of the week it was seriously because i remember i woke up i called my mother and i was like mom i have this idea she's like yes let's do it i love it let's <laughs> do it come on down you know like you know, the price is right style. Come on down. Yeah. So, <laughs> I flew down literally within the night, like 36 hours. And I, we, we, I got, I got into San Diego. She picked me up. We went straight to the Home Depot and we started looking at this, like, how, where, where do we even begin? What do I need? I don't know. You know, it's like, well, it's X amount of height. Look, think about it. Um, and what I did know was that it's, it has to sing on the same tune. Like, it needs to be incredibly accurate in the tonality so it can really diffuse into the sky, you know, and blend in with the, with the landscape. Otherwise, the piece is not going to work. So it's going to be mute, you know? Um, so let's, you know, so we went outside. We were, we had, like, we looked through, like, several hundred phantom ships and came, um, we're like, okay, we, we have this one. Um, and the, the thing with the, with, with Tijuana, with uh, playas, you know, in that area in Tijuana, it's on the beach, so it's very, there's a lot of broom, there's a lot of fog, there's a lot of haziness because of the, you know, the, the mist and the air because of the beach. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of this grayish-white-blue tone that it has. Um, and we, we 
Ironically enough, we bought the paint that was like Martha Stewart brand. <laughs> and instead of she was in jail. So I was like, so proud. I was like, Martha, you can paint yourself out of jail if you want. You know, like, just paint it. You know, paint your bars out. Oh, um, so, you know, we went we went to Playas really early the next day. And, you know, I began the process and it took me about five hours. Five hours. And what uh, were people's reaction when they saw you doing it? People were like, what is up with this chick? You know, like she's up in a 15-foot ladder, wearing a dress, wearing heels. You know, they've never seen anything like this. And I'm up there with like you know, my paintbrush and my paint gun and trying to do my thing. And then the police come after 15 minutes. They they try, like, you know, the sirens are on. There's this, like, pickup truck that's flying down the beach, like, telling me to get down. And we proceed to have, like, a 45-minute debate as to, you know, first it began with, like, what are you doing? You know, you can get arrested, blah, blah. And then at, at the end, they kept saying, like, ma'am, because I was wearing a dress. I didn't look like a husband. I didn't look like what I was supposed to look like. The context was wrong. There was this, like, woman in a dress and stilettos doing this kind of um, defacing property, public property, and that sort, you know? And I, just because it, it allowed me that entry point to actually have a conversation with them, you know, I began discussing the concept, and I could see them kind of, like, squinting their eyes, trying to see what I was trying to do. Oh, wow. And I could see that, like, at one point, one guy was grimacing, like, went from grimacing to, like, just smiling. Um, And and then I was like, yeah, I'm painting it out. Don't you guys see it? And he's like, yeah, I see it. I totally get it. I see it. Oh, man. Um, But he's like, just finish. You know, I was like, let me just finish what I started. And they're like, okay. (laughs) And so they let me go. I got off the hook. And this was, like, 20 minutes into it. So we had, like, an you know, 45 minute debate discussion thing. And I was like already like my heart was racing. I was like super tired after that discussion, but I was like, this is it. This is all I got. I got this chance, so let's just keep going. So for the next four hours, I proceeded to like paint the rest of it that I had intentionally set out to do. And throughout the entire time, I had people, I had migrants sleeping on the beach. I had people that lived around that area. And one of my favorite moments was when I was scaled up on the ladder. I was about to be done. And this guy came down running down the beach and was like, oh, my God, I get it. I get it. And I was like, (laughs) he was so entertaining. I mean, he was so enthusiastic. I was like, all right, I got to come down before I finish because I got to see what's up with them. And he was running, and he, he he's like, I, I do this run every day in the afternoon, and I come and I touch the wall and I run back, you know, but I, I run like five kilometers or something. But as I was really far away, I was like, oh, my God, they're tearing down the wall. And I was so enthusiastic. I didn't, I was like, I hadn't heard of it on the news. Like, what is this that the, the wall is being removed? Like, what is it real? And then I saw you. On the, you know, with your dress up on the ladder, and I was like, oh, I get what she's trying to do. And for, and I was like, and and, and I understood that this art was meaningful, mm-hmm. that it was for me to see what this place looks like without the wall. And I was like, yeah, that's exactly it. Well, that's and uh, he's like super happy for himself to have like understood the whole message without me like telling him, you know. Yes, yes. Well, you know. Uh, Anna, so so many times the art is created and it's an exclusionary thing, and yours yeah. is completely the opposite. I mean, it's a and and 
I love the ambiguity of it being art and a political statement, you know? Thanks, it's, yeah. And that's the thing, it's like, no, what I had spent a long time trying to decide was like, you know, to, the tone of it had to be pretty specific and, and, and very respect, respectful of the place, but also something that didn't lock it into something else. Mm. Something that was expansive, something that would, like, tickle people's imagination, something that would make them see this space differently. You know, the military was smart enough to use, like, um, train tracks as prison bars, you know, because those are train tracks that are vertically placed on the sand. And so I'm just reimagining those train tracks of sky, you know. They were, they were, they were like, okay, I see a train track. And I'm flipping its meaning into, like, a prison that separates two countries. And I'm like, I'm taking your train track, and I'm flipping its meaning to look like sky. So let's keep playing this game, you know? Like, I'm going to keep going as long as you keep going. You keep putting up walls, I'm going to keep tearing them down, you know? So it's like, um, you kind of use that same strategy. And for me, it was like, okay, how do we... I'm going to blur the definition of the lines of these train tracks... So when you look at this, you don't see train tracks anymore. And you, for even for two seconds, if you can just imagine the space without those bars, so you can remember what sky looks like between these two countries, that is when this, the, the piece sings, you know, when it speaks, when it becomes something else, when it becomes possibility, when it becomes expansiveness, when it turns into sky, you know? And you allow the, the sky to kiss the ground again. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, for me, that's such a fucking piece. And it's beautiful, too, because you relating it to the sky opens up just possibilities. It's, it's amazing. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Thank you. Yeah, that's, that's what it's about. You know, it's like rethinking spaces and recontextualizing what we're told must be there. You know, and it's like, no. Obviously, they're overwhelming positive reactions, but so there have been a few... Uh, uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Of, okay. Yeah, Arizona, there was a huge outlet. Yeah, there was, I mean, it got so much, I mean, it got a lot of press, but because people were both loving it and hating it. And I got hate mail, you know. I've never received hate mail before. I, and I got, like, in anything that got posted on, on newspapers online, you see the comments, and it is hundreds of comments, like, take her back out of the stage, you know. Told that dirty Mexican to move. I mean, it was it was pretty pretty intense, you know. And then and, it, and for me to see kind of like all these people kind of fight against the peace, you know, when I did it in Arizona again um, last year in 2015, and I was you know called a Mexican Al Qaeda and a terrorist and whatnot. For me, it's like wow, imagination is so threatening to people. Mm-hmm. For people to have an opinion of them for themselves. You know, and to imagine something different, that is what's most threatening. Not a Minuteman holding a gun waiting for a migrant to cross. Paint on a wall that feels like sky and reminds people what two countries living, coexisting without a wall in between. That's dangerous. I'm like, all right, I see where, I see where you sit, you know? I see what makes you scared. Your art, that too, it is... It's part of a long history of, of fusing arte and politics in Latino culture, isn't it? I mean, there's... 
This is a huge, uh, I mean, it's a continuation, you know, from everybody from Teatro Campesino to Guillermo Gomez Peña. I mean, this is a, yeah. uh, it seems so so right on track. You, you're always busy. What are you working on now? Are, are you still doing this or? Well, you know, we just finished the third reiteration. We did a triptych where we did um, on April 9th. I worked with Border Arte and Mary Stephen that runs that um, network. Uh, we did it with artists from Douglas and Aguapeta, you know, in the, the Sonoran Desert. Uh, with Janae Sanchez, she she led the, the racing the border there. And then my mother and my father led it in Mexicali. Um, and then I led one in Juarez. And on the same day, at the same time, um, the three groups erased parts of the border in three different states, and it was live streamed because mm-hmm. it was filmed in those three locations, and people projected it all around the world. Can uh, people? Where can people go to see those images now, or is it? Is there a website or? Well, if you go to borderarte.com, um, or you, if you type in "borrando la frontera," those images are are quite ubiquitous now. If people want to get see more of your Im- imágenes do they go th- is that the website they go to or if they want to uh, see more of your go, art they? they can if people want to check out my work um, they can go to anateresafernandez.com anateresafernandez.com okay. yeah and it's like Ana Mexican style one in and then Teresa no age you know Ana Teresa Fernandez that was Ana Teresa Fernandez Mexican style talking about her Project Porando la Frontera. Felicidades to Ana Teresa Fernandez, who just was named part of YBC's 100, an annual compilation of the creative minds, makers, and pioneers that inspire the work at Yerba Buena Center for the Arts. And now to summarize our look at the U.S.-Mexican border, here's another classic from the Spanglish Power Hour. Otra vez, it's time for random thoughts from a stoned pocho. Time on my hands. Pues on tonight's show, we've been discussing the U.S.-Mexican border, and specifically, the actual physical wall that separates these two countries. But like I mentioned earlier in the show, para Latinos, this border isn't just a wall. It isn't just a line of demarcation that separates these two culturas. No, it can represent so many things, most of them negative. And for the Latinos on the American side, the border, that wall, separates us, distances us, alienates us from nuestra cultura. Ever since its creation, the wall has been an adversary, an obstacle to overcome both physically and mentally for any Latino who dreams the American dream. I once heard the great poet Jose Montoya read, and in between one of his poems, he told the crowd, Wes, if they build a 10-foot wall, we'll just bring an 11-foot ladder. And years later, I overheard the comedian George Lopez say in an interview, let them build the wall. We Mexicans have tunnels. And there it is in a nutshell, I guess. The ongoing struggle represented humorously, but still represented that wall that we Latinos face. 
But on tonight's show, we have been given proof, undeniable proof, that this wall cannot keep us from our culture. Tonight's guests on the Spanglish Power Hour showed us that we can indeed bypass, we can walk through that wall, that 1,989 mile monstrosity cannot separate us from our cultures. The Jaraneros y Jaraneras with their beautiful music at Friendship Park. The fierce artist Ana Teresa Fernandez and her paint proves that our cultura cannot, will not be held back behind that wall. Our cultura cannot be contained. Our cultura is that strong. This has been Random Thoughts from a Stoned Pocho. is a full circle production of the Spanglish Power Hour on 94.1 KPFA, Radio Estación de la Comunidad, where we have been looking at the U.S.-Mexican border. And if you are interested in delving deeply into the discussions that we've had, there's a few events you might want to check out over near San Jose. Uh, Ana Teresa Fernandez is going to be taking part in Border Disorder, an artist's films and interview. It's an evening of film and conversations explaining how contemporary artists are critically engaging with the local and global complexities of the U.S.-Mexican border. This amazing event takes place at the Montalvo Arts Center located at 15400 Montalvo Road in Saratoga, and it will include films and a discussion of the U.S.-Mexican border and its effects. Now we are reaching the end of our show, mi gente, and as always, we end the evening with a view from the borders of Trumplandia. You know something? We've done five episodes of the Spanglish Power Hour, and they have all ended with a view from the borders of Trumplandia. And occasionally, the pregunta has arisen around here, why are you giving Donaldo Trump, the man who Guillermo Gomez Peña refers to as a right-wing performance artist on steroids, so much time on your show? A few weeks back, a Bernie Sanders canvasser told me, yeah, we try not to spend too much time talking or thinking about Donald Trump. And then I'm thinking about my fellow Berserklians who last year kept repeating their mantra over and over and over again. There's no way, there's just no way that Donald Trump is going to get the Republican nomination. Y aquí estamos. One year later, with that right-wing performance artist on steroids as the Republicano nominee. And let me say it loud, right smack dab in the middle of Berkeley. There are enough ignorant, angry, scared white people out there in America to get Donald Trump elected. Chant that over and over again. Breathe in and out. But por favor, let it sink in. 
Is it in there yet? Okay. Bueno. Now dig this. Sure, there's enough white people out there to elect him. But there's a hell of a lot more brown people out there to make sure that he doesn't get the presidency. That he doesn't get elected. On an earlier view from Trumplandia, we quoted Jorge Ramos of Unavision, who put it like this. Trump seems to think he can win the White House with only the white vote. I believe that the only way to win the White House is with the brown vote. And I gotta agree with Jorge. And I'm proud to say that Latinos have been united and voicing their discontent against this American hairpiece horror show. I still grin when I recall the reception that we Bay Areans gave Donaldo Trump when he came to speak in San Pancho recently at the airport Hyatt. So many beautiful brown protesters turned up to show him what the Bay Area really thinks about him. But I also find myself thinking on the Trump rally recently in San Jose, where Latinos turned out in grande numbers to protest the rally, and where several Donaldo supporters, one caught on camera wearing a Build the Wall t-shirt, ended up being assaulted by angry Latinos. Simon que si, mi gente. Got to realize that for some of us, this really is a thin line between pleasure and pain. Simon que si, we have to unite. We have to march. We have to protest. We absolutely have to vote. But what we can't do, easy as it is to agree and want a person wearing a Build the Wall t-shirt to get a real good culo whipping, is to fall back on that violence. We can't do that. Now, más que nunca, we should remember the many struggles that Cesar Chavez and the United Farm Workers took part in to elevate and defend our people. All those protests, those huelgas that he participated in, they were all done with a platform of pacifism and nonviolence that he never abandoned. Even when there was dissent in the UFW's ranks, even cuando the Chicano militants, justifiably so, were ready to take it to the next physical level, Cesar always held on to the notion of non-violent protest as an instrument for change. And don't forget, all you young pochos and pochas out there, that Cesar and our brown brothers and sisters did in fact succeed in their huelgas and protests. They toppled giants, corporate racist institutions, and they did it peacefully. Think on that, everyone. In the upcoming months, when the man who wants to deport 11 million of us, who wants to build a bigger, better wall between Mexico and the U.S., who started off his presidential run by referring to Mexicanos as rapists, when you see one of his many, yes, mi gente, in the Bay Area, there are indeed many supporters wearing a Build the Wall t-shirt and the urge the justifiable urge comes over you to club that fool? Por favor. Por favor, don't. Let them pass. Instead, watch your brother's back. Watch your sister's front. And remember, we can stop this man with algo más painful than a fist. We can take the presidency away from him. 
Like Cesar used to say way back before Obama ever said it, si se puede. Reporting from the borders of Trumplandia, yo soy Josiah Luis. Oh, mi gente, I'm sad to say that this is the last episode of the Spanglish Power Hour, but if you feel like staying in touch, I can be reached at tacoshoppocho at gmail.com. And up next, cruising the barrios of Aslan and beyond for decades now, La Onda Bajita. No se vayan. <laughs> <laughs>